everyone. Welcome back to a Monday BP, not a Sunday bet this week. Back with Nug. How was your weekend, mate? Yeah, pretty good, mate. How was yours? Oh, much of the same, much of the same. Got swiped in footy on Saturday, elbow to the head off the ball, but pulled up all right. So you're getting, you're getting close now, aren't you? Yeah, well, I didn't get concussed from this one, so that was very relieving, but it was pretty dog. But apart from that, that before I keep talking about myself, we're, today we're joined by a very special guest, highly esteemed, especially in the AFL fantasy world. I have great memories of um, having this guy in my team back in the day. So played 34 games for the Pies, um, and way back in 2015, I believe it was, he was one of the best cash cows we've ever had in the fantasy world. He was price, bargain, price coming into the year, and then... Before the buys, he averaged 80 for us and made us about 330k. So, um, yeah, one of the best cash cows in history, I'll say. So, today we're joined by the Ox, Adam Oxley. Um, how are you going, mate? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for those. Bringing up some uh, fond memories there. I um, Had I known how it all worked like I do now, I'm sure I would have uh, put in a few more 150 performances instead of the uh, 30 or 40 that I followed up with. So... Um, no, it was, they were good times and happy to, uh, cop a few little positive tweets back in the day and also a bit of hate mail, but I guess that's all part of it, uh, knowing that I'm seeing it from the other end now, but, um, I appreciate being on your podcast. I'm a, a long time podcast listener and, uh, yeah, this is the first time participant to my, uh, from my end. So thanks for having me. Oh, awesome. Good to have you on board. Probably a good, good one to start with, pretty low stakes on the BEP. We're not <laughs> that big yet, so good to, uh... <laughs> Yeah, you got to start somewhere, that's for sure. <laughs> no, exactly right. Um, so, are you still playing footy these days? I am. So, I'm playing down at uh, Turidan in the West Gippsland League. Um, got a mate down there that got a few of us down um, as we're living in the city. It's a, a bit of a hike uh, from time to time. But uh, this year, we've got Brent McCaffer joining me down there. And uh, I've got two other mates in, Blake Grewer, who... Um, Spent one year on the Brisbane Lions list and then another good mate in uh, Brady Egan who carpools down with us. So, um, yeah, we're, we're 4-0 at the moment and we're off to a good start. And, um, no, we're, we're looking pretty good, but we've got a few tough games coming up and um, had a real good win on Saturday. And, um, yeah, looking forward to you know, the rest of the season and, and hopefully winning a flag would be very nice. Oh, good times. Sounds Love like it. Good to uh, get to enjoy footy again after the last couple of years of um, all the COVID interruptions and everything. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I think, well, last year was our first year down there and, um, yeah, similar start of the year. And then, yeah, unfortunately COVID hit and completely just sort of hit a roadblock, didn't we? It went from, you know, playing mm-hmm. week in, week out to just, yeah, the comp being abandoned. So fingers crossed this uh, winter we can, we can learn from everything and, and move on and get on with uh, normality and get the full season in. Yeah, bloody oath. Um, so for everyone listening, if you're if you strictly just listen to us for fantasy content, you can probably fast forward through the next little bit. But we thought it'd be a great opportunity to um chat to you and I reckon people would love to hear about it anyway. Um, about like your footy journey and then ask you some um more like specific fantasy questions and all those sort of things. So I reckon just to start with, um, do you just want to tell us like a bit about your footy journey and like how you ended up at the Pies and your time there and stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it was a, a weird pathway there. I was born in Canberra, which is, yeah, I actually don't even know what sports predominantly down there. Um, best <laughs> thing about that was mum and dad got us out of there pretty early. So we uh, moved to Brisbane when 
I was seven and I think I just, yeah, I wanted to change it up from soccer and played a bit of kick and fell in love and, yeah, just like most kids did back then, just played for, a, you know, a bit of fun and made friendships and um, hang out with all your boys and, yeah, and then it got a bit serious so when I sort of turned 16 and 17 and um, started playing some, you know, representative footy and, you know, that's when the scouts started coming to games but you know being a Brisbane boy you, you, there's no expectations there really until you know you've got recruiters at your doorstep telling you one thing and then um, in my actual draft year unfortunately yeah didn't get picked up after you know talking to a few clubs and just went back to the seniors um, at Redlands the Redland Bombers there was my local club that are in the needle at the time um, and yeah just chipped away at my craft and I think a defender went down early in the year so I went back you know from a forward role to a defender and just sort of read the play pretty well and was um, lucky enough to have a few meetings with Derek Hine and the recruiters down at Collingwood and because I was pretty you know devastated and annoyed the year before I didn't think much of it and was yeah fast asleep when the rookie draft was on and um, was meant to be playing golf that morning with a mate who rung me up and yeah it was raining outside and I sort of didn't want to answer the call it was a bit annoyed and he just said yeah well done you've done it you know he was on the radar too and he was up and about for me and it sort of hit home that you know the daylight saving was uh going ahead back then so it was 11 o'clock down here and only 10 o'clock up in brisbane and next thing you know dad's screaming out and mum's running around the house so it was a bit of a whirlwind of a ride there for that day but um yeah it was after that you know never moved out of home lived at home up until i was 20 and two days later you're on a plane packing your bags moving into a house out in Hugh in Melbourne um, with three of the South Australian boys that got drafted um, in the actual national draft a few weeks earlier. So, uh, yeah, it seems like a long time ago now, but also got yeah very fond memories and it was yeah clearly the six best years of my life uh, playing down at Collingwood and, yeah, still living here now and I've met my beautiful fiancé through the footy world um, and, yeah, Melbourne's home now and wouldn't have it any other way. Awesome. Love it. That's, that's a ripper story, obviously. Um, didn't didn't quite get the call up the first year, and then didn't didn't think uh, much of it the next year, and then obviously you got the call up. So awesome stuff! I, I would have loved to be in the room when when and seen your face when you did get drafted the second year. Would have been an unreal sort of moment, I reckon. Um, yeah, definitely, it definitely was. What What would you say? Obviously, you spent a few years at the Pies. What was What's the highlight of your time there? If you had to pick like one day or one game. Um, what would it be? Uh, yeah, definitely couldn't go past the Anzac days. Um, I was very fortunate enough to play in two of them and I suppose the, the history behind it and, you know, what the day stands for and clearly it was only last week and we were play, actually our league down at Turidan played that day, so we're the marquee game. So, I, you know, for however long I'm there, I won't be able to watch it. But, um, yeah, to be involved in it, you know, that minute silence, I think there was about 92,000 there one of the years. Um, just looking up to the stands was not a, you know, you could hear a pin drop and to get out there and listen to the roar after, you know, goals were kicked. And um, the second one I played was, you know, fortunate enough to be the year that I was uh, the Essendon team got done with all the, the drug side. So pretty sure we're up by about nine or ten goals at quarter time and I snuck forward and got on the end of one. So, yeah, that was definitely the highlight of my career for sure. Yeah, uh, that's so good. What was... um. What was it like in 2018 around the club with um, obviously having and like particularly through the finals and stuff, the um, yeah, just like the environment around the club? Yeah, that was uh, yeah, one of my enjoyable years too, although it was my last. Um, mm. 
I think it was probably one of the only years we played finals when I was there and it was sort of, you know, they always talk about, you know, finals and, and momentum and I think we had a bit of momentum leading in. We, we had a pretty young list and there were a few injuries on the back end of the season and I think we needed to win the last three or four games to actually make the top four. Um, I think Howie might have been Goldsack and Darcy were injured. So the likes of, you know, myself, Madgen and Murphy got to play a few games at the end. And um, then when the boys came back from injury, they um, secured their spot. And Yeah, just watching and being a part of the whole finals experience with, um, you know, the crowds at training. It was all just, you know, like a, a normal season, but on steroids. So um, the day itself, you know, went fairly fast. You're sitting in the crowd. Um, I think a few of us were, you know, having a few drinks. So we were enjoying it. We're up and about. You know, Half time came around and we're sitting there going, you know, we have a big chance to win this. And um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it went the other way late. But um, I still don't think I've re-watched it, but I have heard from a lot of the people that, you know, it's probably one of the greatest spectacles of all time out of all the grand finals. So um, yeah, maybe later on down the track when I have kids, I might re-watch it there. But um, yeah, that, that whole year itself was just, yeah, you know, I think the team believed that they had what it took and a few, you know, additions in the coaching ranks that um, uh, J-Lo, who's coaching Fremantle now, and put a hocking were there and they were just, yeah, exceptional um, sidekicks the Bucks. So um, yeah, it was a special year, that's for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Um, one from me, if you could change one thing about your AFL career, what would it be? Uh, I just think believing in myself more. Um, I think Nick Maxwell, one of his comments early days was, you know, there hasn't been a player he hasn't seen come through here that hasn't made it from not being talented enough. It was always on, you know, work rate and belief. And I think, yeah, similar to my fantasy scores, just depending on the day I was out there and what I was feeling like um, dictated you know, the end result, you know, there were days that I just didn't believe in going for my marks or backing in that the work I'd done and my ability was good enough on any day of the year um, because it showed that, yeah, you know, the days that I was on and felt like, you know, having a good game that, you know, it just happened so freely. So I think, yeah, I've always been told that, you know, back yourself and and never second guess. So I think if I had my time again, I'd just go out there and not be cocky, but, you know, internally just know that you're always good enough and, you know, don't leave it to chance and just go out there and make it happen yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that something you think um, like a lot of players deal with? Is that probably like, would you agree with kind of what Nick Maxwell said about it's probably the biggest thing that holds people back in their career? For sure. I, I suppose everyone's different. I can only answer for myself. But um, yeah, I, like a few players that I grew up with talking to, you know, that were young at the Pies too, had the the same, you know, what do we call them issues, but it was part of their, I suppose, genetics at a club that, um, yeah, there were just days that, you know, it happened and there were other days that you just, yeah, not you weren't afraid of the ball, but it just, you know, when things weren't clicking, you, you know, if you miss the target, you drop your head and the crowds, you know, there's so many factors, especially playing at a, a club that was so big like Collingwood. There, was, there weren't many, you know, games where you're playing in, under, in front of under 50,000 fans there, so... Um, I think, yeah, the scrutiny behind it too, you know, every year just keeps evolving and yeah, I suppose you're so exposed on Twitter and, you know, social media that, you know, there were days that you, you know, didn't play as well as you did. It could become quite contagious, but, um, yeah, to move on pretty quick is something that I suppose you've got to do and you've got, you know, 30 out of the blokes inside the four walls that are there that are going to back you up week in to week out. Yeah, awesome. Um, I've got a bit of a, a left field one. So it, it might have, I reckon you might have got there a few years sort of after the, 
the peak of the Rat Pack, <laughs> but I want to know your take on it and, and sort of what you thought of it all. Yeah, they're um, they're very yeah, they're a good bunch of blokes. They're very highly regarded in the the footy circles, I suppose, more so off the field than on the field. But um, clearly, superstars on the field. But they um, yeah, some of the stories that you hear, I don't know how much of them. Um, yeah, are completely true, but they're, they're characters and they're absolute legends, all of them. I know that I was lucky enough to play a few years with Swanee and, yeah, he loved all his sports, so it was good to always sit down and talk NBA with him and, you know, have a multi on throughout the day and just talk about things that, you know, were, you know, footy, footy, footy. Um, but, yeah, yeah, like Alan Dynak, I think one of the first um, days I got to the club, the boys were in Utah and he was injured, so he was back with me and we just kicked a soccer ball for half an hour. And I'm, you know, growing up idolising this bloke and how skillful he was and he's, you know, doing all these tricks with a soccer ball. Um, and, yeah, it was just sort of, I was starstruck and, and yeah, still look back at those days and think, yeah, how good was life? And, you know, you're a little kid looking up to these kids and you're doing things that people will probably only dream of. Yeah, that's, in, that, yeah, that's just so, that's incredible. Like, that's awesome. Like, I know for me, obviously, not playing AFL or being any um, thing like that. When even when I like see someone, you just see someone out, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's like whoever it is." And um, actually, yeah, being in that environment and being with those guys, just as yeah, like normal, like they're normal blokes. Like I'm sure they all are. Um, yeah, that'd be such an awesome experience to have. Yeah, that's the biggest part too to take away from it. They're all just humans and yeah everyone's individually unique in their own ways but yeah there's not one of them that you think would have as big a head as you know that lived up to how well they played because yeah they all you know love their footy but i think yeah life away from footy was where you know people really made a name for themselves yeah awesome um i've got one more quick one so this one's a bit um fantasy skewed Obviously, um, Swanee is the the OG pick. Um, I think he averaged over 130 a couple times. Did he know that he was a pick? Did he embrace it? Did he check his stats after the game? <laughs> uh, can, give us a rundown. I, uh, I I definitely won't throw him under the bus because I don't think he yeah, would have checked his own stats. Um, sure, he would have known from all the you know Twitter comments and tags that he was in. But I do remember. One of the years he had, he got like one of the snout hats or the pig noses from the Trader Boys and it was in his locker for a while that the boys would either wear or chuck around. So um, he was well aware of it, but also yeah, one of the most modest players I've ever played with for someone of his calibre. Um, but yeah, I did go to one of the, I think one of the shows, it was a year up there, five shows the year after um, he won the snout. So um, yeah, to answer it in that way, I, I know he was in our fantasy comp. We had a, a league comp there at the club with like Nick Maxwell, Steele. Swanee was in it for a few years, a few of the younger boys. Um, but yeah, he, so it's a while ago now to think if he ever picked himself, but he was always one of the first ones off the board back then. So he probably would have needed an early pick to take himself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so are you more of a draft player then or do you play draft and classic? This would be the first year I've really delved into the, the classic one and, and lasted this long. Like, if you asked me any other year, six rounds in, I would have either forgotten my password, had 30 red dots, like, screwed up <laughs> all the loopholes. Um, but, yeah, on the flip side of it, I think I've been doing drafts for eight to ten years now and and then am an absolute nothing. Um, love it. I just think the point of difference, um, yeah. the competitiveness with all the other players that do it and, 
think me and Brad McCaffer are the two blokes that have definitely been there from day one. And he um, he's a guru and the goat of the uh, draft world. And he'll happily admit that and let everyone know. So it's been a few years since I've knocked him off. But um, yeah, definitely draft um, at this stage. But yeah, starting to get around the plastic a little bit more now that I learn a few things and have slid into a few inboxes to uh, work out, you know, what DPPs are happening and who's doing what. Because, um, yeah, it's definitely, there's ways that you can manipulate it in your favour if you know a bit more than others, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for Following on from that, so when you played, would you always try and draft yourself or...? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if I had myself that one year. It was clearly only that one year that I'd even be relevant. Um, and I will say, no, I don't think I ever had myself because I think that would have put a lot more pressure on me. But, um, yeah, I did come off the field thinking whoever had me that year, they'd either be very angry at me and wouldn't want to talk to me all week or they'd be yeah, buying me a coffee until the next round. So, yeah, it was pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, well, you did pump out some, like, 110 plus scores that year. So, I'm sure they would have taking it considering you would have come in as one of the like um uh with oh due respect probably wouldn't have been going in the like the early rounds of the draft so take that oh, definitely an unrestricted free agent there's no way i would have been drafted <laughs> <laughs> even going into the year i don't know how my nap club form was but um oh, i must have been yeah only picked up six or seven rounds in and back then it was a bit easier when you could you know just start one behind the ball so i was always the designated seventh man we call it so um, yeah, it was always good not manning up and letting the likes of, you know, Nathan Brown and Ben Reed hold down their man and I could just jump for uncontested balls all day for as long as they'd want to kick it down my throat. I was happily taking those plus sixes. <laughs> That's um, so good. Uh, another quick one from me. Um, so Swanee has, has been known to say the NAB Cup or the preseason games, anyone who tries in them is a loser. Do you agree? And, and to what extent do you think that's true? I think that's, yeah, 80% of that is true. Um, <laughs> the, the losers are the ones that haven't cemented their spot yet. So I'd happily say I had to go out there and, yeah, be a bull at a gate because if I didn't, I'd be uh, playing BFL all year. Um, whereas in, yeah, the, the, the goats of the game, it's just another yeah, chance for them to get injured or, yeah, just they don't really care. Like you're playing in front of 90,000 every year and suddenly you're out in, I don't want to pot a local town but you're out in some country town playing in front of a few local fans um there's not much to gain there but clearly yeah the clubs push for it because you know you need to get that synergy and connection in and you know you've been training against each other for the last six months and it gets pretty yeah stagnant and you know what you're doing so yeah it's a lot better for the coaches and the, the club side of things but i think yeah the whips don't start cracking until the, the real stuff starts in round one for those good players yeah yeah for sure all right um Let's get into the fantasy side of things. So we'll start going with heroes and villains. We'll start on a, a positive note. Um, you take us off first, Doe. Who did you have as a hero for this week? Um, so similar to last week, except the guy I said last week ended up being out this week. So I don't want to jinx him, but I um, wanted to highlight Dunks as my hero for the week. So no one has I think everyone's just taking for granted what he's doing but he's averaging 121 right now which yeah. is absolutely ridiculous I think it makes him the second highest averaging player in the game um, and we all got to start with him pretty underpriced so and he yeah pumped out another 133 on the weekend so I think he just deserves the shout out for the hero from yeah. me on track to you doing well 
Um, Ox, did you have anyone that you you liked as a good player for you this week? I did. I, I had two. Um, Honourable mention to Dunks as well. He's um, yep. yeah, with that clearly that forward status and. Yeah, we do take him for granted because he just, yeah, snap pads. He's like a Westbrook. He yeah, tackles, he marks, he gets the odd hit out. So um, yeah, he's a guru there. But for me, I actually went to my first five-game of footy for a while just because obviously we play footy. But I was there at the G yesterday watching the Pies take on the Suns. And, um, yeah, my boy and my favourite player to watch at the moment. And I only found out it's Took, not Took, during the week. So, um, yeah, I think. Took's back to his uh, yeah, gut-running ways and the way he covered the ground at the G yesterday, um, linking up, taking those marks, he hit the scoreboard. And I think with the expectations of, you know, his stellar year last year, he um, yeah, he's finally back to that form. And I think hopefully that kickstarts a big run here because I yeah, took him pick one in one draft and have stuck by him all year in classic. So, yeah, he's my hero for the week. Yeah, awesome. He's unreal to watch, isn't he? He's a machine. All right. Uh, my one for this week. This one, I, I could almost tear up, honestly. I've been I've been hashtagging it. I've been tweeting it for weeks. <laughs> I, hashtag I stand with Josh Kelly. Slow start to the year. He's finally come good and he's given us a 134. That, that's why we stand with our premiums and we don't trade them. Um, so good on you, Josh. I'm sure you're listening out there. Good friend of the show. Um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being the goat. Love it. Heroes, boys. Joe, did you want to? Did you want to go? Oh no, we're up to villains now, aren't we? Yeah. Getting a bit negative, a bit angry. Who have you got, though? So I've, I've been getting a little bit too into the sprays in this segment the last few weeks. <laughs> so going a bit lighter this week. So my villain this week, he had a sixty-two point first half. So you'd think it's happy, but considering his team won by over a hundred points and he was playing as an unaccountable um, defender. Dan Rioli only scoring 23 points in the second half this week um, was a bit of a letdown for me with the amount of uncontested footy and um, they had going on in the back half. He he was still running hard and everything, so no no big sprays about work rate this week or anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just disappointing that he started off so well and then really tailed off in the second half when I thought it was just going to be open slaller. But yeah, can't have him all. Yep, awesome. I think if if you're really a fantasy stud, when you're up 100 is when you're at your best and yeah. you're scoring the most points. <laughs> what about you, Ox? Who was shit for you this week? Um, before I know, I've got two players, but I thought yeah. I'd have a little gag with this one. Before um, I name the players, I my person is the, the person who was uh, in charge of putting that St Kilda Port Adelaide game on a Saturday night up in uh, Cairns because that was, yeah, I'm glad there was another game on. That was one of the hardest oh, watches yeah. I've had to watch um, with the humidity and the just, yeah, it was no chop. So whether it was St Kilda selling their games or the AFL trying to change it up, let's just, uh, yeah, stick to what we know. And it obviously affected a lot of fantasy scores too. Um, but moving into two players, while we were playing on Saturday, um, all I can go off here is, you know, checking the app straight after our game and, Seeing a lazy little 60 and 65-ish uh, next to Duncan and Smith's name down at the Catteries. Uh, I'm not sure what went on there, but um, I was as surprised as anyone to see Frio win. But then not only that, to see it was a dry day and, yeah, them yeah, not do a lot. So they cost me big time. I reckon... Um, yeah, they were shocking. I reckon Frio, their team defence is unreal at the moment. The way they're, like, preventing teams, it just moving the ball is um like they're they're rolling with like an eighteen man 
zone because they had there was one bit in that game it was awesome they had like behind the goal footage and you could just see like how well they're set up so that might have played a bit into it but yeah it's not not good enough 60s from premiums and that's that's on me i should know better with j-lo coaching him he's a yeah he's a wizard with that stuff so i um will take more notes into that now and know not to definitely put you know a skipper or vice captain on any players playing against the, the mighty dockers good call the purple haze is back. <laughs> All right. Uh, my villain, this one will just be a, a slight little little bake. So Will Brody, been great this year. I know the country is a hard place to play, but scoring 60-odd is not on. I'm happy with what you've done this year, but I just want, I don't want you to get into the habit of going back to your Gold Coast days. You will be on that. You're a better player. You're a better man. And I expect better. Yep. Succinct. That's how we like it. Quick little rocket. Yep. All right. Next thing we talk about, Ox, is um, any notable things we noticed with the weekend. But before we get into that, I thought you'd be a great person to ask. So when we're looking at like CBA fluctuations and like time on ground fluctuations, are they like if a player's CBA is changed by like 20% in one week, having been like within a footy club, would you say that's something that's like significant or could that just be like there was a player, someone was like carrying something. So there was like just a little bit of magnet moving. Like, is that enough to say that there's been a role change or is that just, um, just the, a random occurrence of that week? Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And I'm starting to delve into this pretty deep too, because yeah, back from memory, um, I remember especially one year, like I think all preseason we trained Tay down back and Crispy in the guts and Maynard in the guts. And suddenly you, you know, lose a few NAB Cup games and the magnets get flipped again and you just restore what you know. So I think depending on like circumstantial factors in where teams are on the ladder and, you know, what they've got to change, if they've had a bad loss or quarter um, the week before, they, yeah, pretty quickly try to change it up. But, yeah, I think it does have a big effect because as everyone talks about, role is key and, you know, if you're spending 20% less time around the ball and you're playing as a high forward, which ultimately is, you know, the the death shift there, you've got summed up your Arsenal game and, you know, whether it's five or ten minutes, it adds up. Like, it's a few little kicks and marks and maybe a goal here or there. So, I think, yeah, from little things, big things grow. So, it's definitely something to look out on with, yeah, any player that's going through that. Yeah, oh, bloody yeah, that's good to good to hear and especially good to know that all the look, looking into it is worthwhile, not just getting stinged by tiny <laughs> things. Um so there was one big role change, which I think was we all knew it was coming, um, that I noticed in the Pies game that you were at, which was um, Darcy Cameron. So I had a look at the Ruck contest attendance, and he was at, I think it was 63% of um, Ruck contests. I think in draft leagues especially, he's probably sitting on a lot of waiver wires, and I think you've got to pick him up, no doubt. Um, but yeah, fantasy-wise, in classic, I think he's probably like in the consideration. He used to put up, crazy numbers in the near full when he was a solo rock up there. I think I remember he'd have some like double tons and stuff in the rock. So he's one to consider, but um, being at the game, what did you like think of his performance? Uh, yeah, well, I think I said to one of my mates I was there with yesterday, it looked like both teams just shook hands and said, let's just play free flowing footy. Let's not mm. get into a little arm wrestle. And I think he'd be a, you know, a big, uh, I suppose, asset in that, Sense the ball's coming in long, he's taking grabs, he's kicking goals. Um, although on the flip side, that does take away from if there were many stoppages, he wouldn't be getting many hit outs. But it just, yeah, it was just so free flowing. The balls were just 
moving around and everyone was getting on the end of it. So um, I think he's a good one definitely to have for the next sort of few months while Brody is out. Um, but, yeah, their run's pretty tough coming up and, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't quite reach those numbers um, again. But you never know, like, I suppose... Most of you guys, as you know, you say something and you get proved wrong pretty quick. So I was one of the dumb ones that picked him up a few times off the waiver and then throughout the week um, decided to go with, you know, Hickey because he's going to be back soon. And in the long run, while I'm doing well, I was going to keep him. But, yeah, I think yeah, you can't get wrong. I can't see his floor going below sort of 70 whilst he is playing a predominant ruck. But it's obviously going to be pretty short term with Brody having an immaculate body and who knows, he could be back in three or four compared to, you know, seven or eight like people mm. are thinking. Is that a scoop? Could be. I've got another one that I yeah scooped out earlier this afternoon. With another player that uh, people are probably weren't as happy with yesterday, so yeah, that might come out soon as well. Hey, interesting. Heard it here first. So, still talking about notable things. Nud, did you notice anything? Um, I only had. Um, well, my first one was the West Coast suck, but I guess that doesn't really matter too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> next one was. Rosie and Butters, they still had high CBAs. I think they were both around 70%. So I think don't read into their scores too much. I think they'll both come good. Um, it was just, as Ox said, it was a shit game of footy and there wasn't many points to be had. Yeah, it was a bar of soap, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Did you, um, any notable things from you, Ox? Um, I think, yeah, just going back to those role changes before I do forget that little scoop might be that I think it looks like little mini day costs. It looks like he's playing forward a lot more, mm. but um, I did hear a thing or two that he's yeah just trying to add another string to his bow and he might start pushing into the midfield a lot more. So right. uh, obviously we've seen what he can do down back. Um, yeah, and why not see if he can do a bit more in the midfield too? Because he's uh, going to be an absolute freak for years to come. All right, Mr. Well. Fix it, he plays everywhere. Ah, uh, it's good. It's, he's, a, he's a good kid to more importantly. Ah, uh, yeah, he's. I've I've actually noticed a few people who um played some junior footy with it, and yeah, they all talked about him. And um, I can't even think of what the saying is, but in flying colours or whatever it is. But yeah, <laughs> um, so just a couple other things I mentioned. I noticed for the listeners, one thing. So I was watching the game, and I didn't actually check the CBAs till just before, but I had this hunch that. Um, with Jamari out of the team, the Bulldogs were they're like we're. I'm a doggies fan, by the way, Ox. We're like really experimenting with that mix up forward, and I thought Wallace was gonna go back to that role he played in like 2020, where he kicked um a bunch of like led our goal kicking and everything. But it looked like that um Dunkley was spending. I thought watching the game, he was spending heaps more time deep forward, and then when I went and checked the numbers, he actually only had seven CBAs for the game and had less than 20 percent. So um. That is, I mean, you can't trade him out or anything, but I think that is something that might be a bit of a concern going forward that he um, spent so much time forward and um, it worked as well. He kicked a couple of goals and his him and like Vandermeer and Waitman, their pressure was probably the difference, one of the big differences in the game yesterday. So it's, yeah, a bit of a worry. And um, the only other one I had was that Zorko, um, his CBAs were back to about 30%. So he's got to be on the radars because he can even with that little volume he's um yeah he's a bit of a pig as well scoring wise so yep. he, he can just go nuts yep yep awesome um let's get into some bold predictions so before we get started i know i gave you guys a bake last week listeners 
I'm, I'm sorry, but 29 is not enough. We need 30 this week. Otherwise, we might scrap it. That's all I'm saying. Mm. No, we won't scrap it. But please, we need 30. Come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> um, all right. So, did you have any good predict- predictions for the week? Well, so on the flip side of your spray from last week, um, we asked for the listeners to be better with their predictions. And massive shout out to the community this week. There were some bloody bangers in there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there were a few really, really good ones. One that I wanted to highlight um, was Sammy Mutton saying that Greg Clark was going to go one fourteen on debut. To predict that for a rookie is pretty bold. Um, it's capital B bold. I really liked it, and yeah, he went one ten. So that is excellent work from you, Sam. Yep, awesome. Almost had eight tackles as well, and a couple off. Mm. Um, good one from my end. I had Nathan Quarrell, friend of the show. He said uh, Flossen will go 100 and is talked about as a trade option. We haven't talked about our trade plans yet, but um, I actually almost traded him in last week, so I'll tick that one off. And I think he went 102, 102, so pretty much smack bang on that one. Yeah, love it. Did you um, have any predictions or anything from the week, Ox? Um, I didn't from the weekend, it just went, but I've got a few for the weekend coming up. Um, oh, wow. And the more I think of it, they're not that bold as they're. This week, uh, I think Neil and Zorko nearly had 250 between them anyway, but yeah, I think yeah. just with their matchup up at the Gabba, uh, up at the Gabba um, a warm afternoon that they could go, yeah, 265 to 270 combined against the West Coast at the moment that are just, yeah, battered and bruised and clearly. Not that they're not interested, but it's a bit hard when you've got 7 to 15 changes a week. So I think, yeah, they're going to go massive up there. Um, and then the other one is I think the Hawks defenders are just going to go nuts against the Dons. I don't know what it is with them, but they're just giving up big scores to defenders. So Sicily, Day and Scrimshaw could, yeah, all turn up. That's my bold prediction. Oof. That's a, that's a good it. one. That's bold. That's bold. I like it. I'm a Hawks fan, so I'm happy to see that happen. Love to see it. Um, all right, Doe, did you have a bad one from the week? There was a few like, eh, but there wasn't many absolute shockers, I thought. Did you think any were were pretty average? Uh, yeah, so there was one that was really average, and that was myself saying that um, Rochelle oh, yeah. was going to turn up. But I thought the Giants, had they'd given up some bags to small forwards early in the year, and I was like, oh, Rochelle, maybe, maybe. And um, if he didn't go into the – they put him in the middle in the last quarter. If they didn't do that, I don't think he would have scored 20. So, yeah, I've, I've given some good bags on here to other people, and I think it's um, – just know that I gave myself a bake over the weekend for that one. And, yeah, I repent what I said. And, um, yeah, it hurts, but, yeah, it's all right. Um, one pretty average one I saw was GM Butcher, who said oh, yeah. um, Ben Hobbs will turn up. He scored 30-odd. He got stitched up with an average role. He was playing like a deep forward sort of role. Um, but, yeah, about 70 points off, not good. But... Yeah. Yeah, not enough, but yeah. Well done to uh, everyone who got really close. There was some really good ones in there that are stiff, not to get a mention, but we uh, we only mentioned one, so one good one a week each. So, yeah, bad luck if you did a good one, but yeah, keep at it. Um, all right, so to before we get into some questions we got on Twitter today, um, I thought it would be good to have a chat about some trade stuff. So I think one of the big things people are looking at this week, rookie-wise, is um, I think Greg Clark is 
like a moral. If you don't have him, you've probably yeah. got to get him in. But um, the other two rookies that scored 80s were Robbie McComb and Carroll from the Blues. And do you think, do you guys think it would be worth double downgrading this week to get the rookies in or what's the go? I think you definitely could. I think especially if you can't really get up to anything that you're super happy with. And if um, I know a lot of people banked cash last week, so I probably wouldn't be double downgrading if that was the position you were in. But if um, you don't have heaps in the bank, it's definitely viable because there's a bunch of good rookies. And um, before you know it, they'll start drying up and you'll, you'll wish you would have doubled down in a week like this. Absolutely. Um. All right, now looking at some guys we're bringing in, is there anyone you've got your eye on to bring in Ox this week? Um, yeah, I haven't really thought of that yet. I've actually just got players that I've got arrows pointing out. I'm trying to work out how to <laughs> right, tell make us way then. from tell your us Ward, Rao, Cherry yeah. or Cherry, however you pronounce it, and Ratchelli. Um, yep. I think I've got about 240 in the bank. And, yeah, I'm not doing it that well. I've still left about, I think, about 250 points out there from accidentally putting two emergencies in the same position throughout the year. So I'm still oh. learning myself to not get carried away with that utility spot. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, like on paper, I think everyone loves their team. So I don't really know what I do. But, um, yeah, I've still got Tim English sitting there and I'm happy to rock with Dawn and Bruce. Um, my forwards look comfortable. And, yeah, maybe the midfield, and midfield needs a little bit of work. I've got a few rookies there that I might have to somehow upgrade. Just got to get on the phone to Warney and ask for an extra trade this week. Uh, if, he, if he is listening, I um, I spend more time in his inboxes than I do in my partner's. So, yeah, he's <laughs> a very big help. <laughs> both um, both Doe and I's um, lovely ladies think that we're having an affair with each other. Um, so, yeah, that, that just goes to show how much time we spend talking about fantasy throughout the week. Uh, yeah. As long as I win leagues and get the money, she's happy. But other than that, it's yeah. like, what are you doing? If you spend as much time studying and doing whatever you do with fantasy on, you know, work commitments, you yeah, we'd be living in a much better pad than we are right now. Better <laughs> um, One I wanted to highlight that I'm sort of considering this week. I was considering him last week. Um, that's Cam Guthrie. So he's at 752k, which is very cheap for a player of his caliber. Early in the season, he had low time on ground. It was between like 65 and 70-odd each game. But um, last week, he was up to 74, and then this week, up to 80. Um, and I don't know if it was just because it was a close game and they thought they could get a they, – they needed him to get the win. But um, to see that climbing means that his um, points will be climbing too because he's a high points per minute person um, and priced at what his price at. I think it's about 95 or so. Um, that's pretty good for someone who could go 110 from here on out. Also, the round 13 buy is very handy. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty perfect explanation, I reckon. Can't yeah. add too much to that. Um, one guy that I mentioned this in the trade chat I've been posting on my Twitter, um, but one thing that I've noticed with the Cats recently is that they've gone from averaging 75 marks a week in the first three weeks to um, it's like 93 or 94 over the last month, so the last four games. Um, and Tommy Stewart had a ceiling game this week, went like 157, something crazy. But with that sort of game style change, I think it, it can like be more confident in his floor now. And as Nug was sort of saying with round 13s as well. Yeah, being um, yep. yeah, 
definitely look at him. Um, anyone you guys think you can or you should be trying to get rid of early or at all this week? Uh, is there anyone you're looking to trade out, Ox, in particular? Uh, not really at the moment. I might, yeah, wait and see the injury report and catch up on all that news. But, yeah, like, I'm still learning my way through this and, yeah, I'm trying to actually get the waiver wire sorted for the draft first and then I'll back into the week I get stuck into the Classic. Who are, yep. you, um, yep. who are you trying to scoop up off the waiver? I think um, there's a few there. I've, I've got four injuries in my uh, the league that I'm sitting top of the ladder with, so I don't know how many more I can and lose to, you know, it'll cost me. But, um, yeah, actually, yeah, still not quite sure yet. But there's a few handy ones in there. I might look into Darcy Cameron as well. I think, you know, actually, I was lucky enough. I got Blossom last week, but there's a few that are similar to that that are, yeah, Clark will be pretty high on the list too. Um, so, yeah, I think that a lot of the good ones will get snared. Snag now because we've got the, the draft order on uh, reverse. Uh, it's always a good thing being at the top, but yeah, yeah, no, that that, that got bit me in the butt this week with um with Doe. He he got Darcy Cameron. I I requested him just to so someone else might see it and request him and get Cameron. Tried to do the dog tactic, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. That's correct. No, we um our our draft league is ridiculously deep. We have like ten of us. Um. And we go like, what is it, 22 deep on field. So we, a guy yep. like Darcy Cameron sitting on the waiver wire is absolute gold for us. He's like, yeah, yep. I think my highest averaging forward is like 70 in that draft league. So, yep. we, um, yeah. Not sure. Hey, yeah, it's a big, big, big league. I think I just love sticking to what I know. So, like, if I went into that, it probably would help the guys that know more because I'm in a lot of leagues or the two leagues I'm in, there's the bottom two or three literally just, yeah, have either folded already or just don't care. Like, um, but yeah, that's I'll give you guys a pat on the back to that because it'd be a very frustrating watch your time to some players that are deep in your forward line that, that don't know how to get a kick. Yeah, I'd, yeah Isaac yeah, Rankin give me an eight this week or something, which bloody hell. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, yeah, it was a tailor made day for him too, and I don't know, I didn't realise he was out there. So a shame for you, especially. <laughs> no, nah, it's good, good fun. We um we trade around future picks and everything all the time, so that. Culture in the league is is good, but yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I think uh, NFL we do a big one with that still with Swanee and Luke Ball and Maxi and Keefe and a handful of them. And yeah, we yeah adopted the dynasty one yeah probably three years ago. So um yeah, same thing with the the draft picks and actually acting like a GM and falling yeah. in love with your players because you got them for a lifetime. Um, it's yeah more enjoyable and it yeah keeps you more interested that way while you're especially at the top. And then teams that want to rebuild can you know give up for a few years but get their picks in and sort of nurse some of those young fellas that are going to come through in years to come. Yeah, it's bloody good fun. All right, Nug, have you got the questions from the Twitter sphere for us? I sure do, mate. There's only a couple this week. Um, friend of the show, Benno, asks, with little round 14 by forwards putting their hands up, could we fade the likes of Miller for round 14 by players like Oliver? Um Parker and English, once they're back, both putting their hands up as round 13 by players in the forward line. Bit of a confusing question, but I think basically what Benno is asking is, are there any round 14 forwards that we like? Um, and because the forward line is so heavy with round 13 players, do we get more round 14 players elsewhere? Right. Um, 
Well, yeah, I had a look at it, and the only forward I would say that you could argue is top six in the forward line that's got the round 14 by is Dugowie. Um, I think, do you have any scoops for us about his role in the weekend, Ox? Was that just because he was sick all week, or was that something being full forward so much? Do you know if that's something they're wanting to do more? Yeah, I didn't actually really think about that. Um, he just sat, you know, wide out in the square, didn't he? There were yeah. a few times I looked and was watching the forwards and how they were all rolling back, and he just sat there doing nothing, waiting for it to come in quick. And obviously, when he gets on the end of him, he's a freak. But um, yeah, he's clearly his CBAs and everything were down and hadn't yeah, heard a hell of a lot. So not too sure what the go is there, but maybe just yeah, throwing the magnets around a little bit. Um, and yeah, once they got on top, I think, yeah, maybe they just left him down there and save him for next week yeah fingers crossed because i traded him in not long ago so that will burn me if he um goes back to full forward days but yeah to um answer back to benno's question i would say i yeah it's actually not a bad idea but the thing is that you still need to have guys to play in your forward line um like you can't stack your forward line with round 12 and 13 buys so even if it's a matter of having rookies or someone who can go there in those weeks because like you could have the perfect buy structure but if you've got like five round 12 buys in your forward line like you're you're going to be like pretty under man that week um even though technically you might only have eight players in your team with the round 12 buy if more than half of them are in your forward line then you're going to struggle to field like enough players that week so yeah it's um worth considering but you definitely can't just punt that week of buyers, I think you definitely need to have one or two who can go there. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes the same as well. If you're going to go heavy round 14 in the midfield, um, there's a lot of gun round 14 mids. I struggled not to start with a lot of them in the preseason, but you um, have to be careful that you're not getting four or five of them because then you physically just can't field enough players um, come round 14. Yeah. Maddie from Laird's Lads, he asks, is, is cashing out on um, Dacos a week early a good option if he can get to a Uber Primo? Well, based off the scoop that the Ox provided, I would be pretty keen to hold him if he's they're looking at putting him into the guts at some point in the near future. Um, I think you've surely got bigger priorities to jump off than him, even if you can get to an Uber Primo. But I still don't think it's worth paying for the top premiums at the moment because everyone's going to have like one or two weeks where they score like 80 or 90 and drop a bit and then you can get them at a more attainable price. So, yeah. Yep, awesome. Brown Sam asks, so he he needs some ruck help. He's in the top 100, so good on you, Brown Sam, doing better than all of us. Um, he's got Sam Hayes at R2. Does he cover the field and, and get Pruz? Or does he go for like a Sean Darcy? Or does he back in Hayes at R2? What do you reckon? Um, well, yeah, you can. You could definitely loophole Hayes this week if you have the option. Because, um, And I think uh, what Bevo said after the game yesterday was that there won't be anyone coming back for the dogs this week. So it sounds like Timmy English won't be back this week. Um, so he might go a ride against Steph Martin in the ruck as well. 
Like he's not going to give you, he's not going to ton up or anything, but he might give you a score that you can take from a rookie. Because like if you're getting a 70 from a rookie in the rucks, it's better than like what some rookies can dish up in. Like you can get 40s from rookies. So if you loophole yep. him on the Friday and he scores 70, I would definitely take that. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you loop him and if he, as you said, goes well enough, leave him there. If he doesn't score well enough, then probably do grab a Pruce just because he's still going to make a bucket load of cash and getting from him to Grundy when he's back in, in three or four will, won't be too hard, I think. Yeah. Um, last one, Miller Time asks, what happened to the Sunday BEP? What do you have to say for that? Well, yeah, it's a Monday BEP this week. We should be back on Sunday next week, but there you go. Yep. <laughs> Nothing more to say to that. Awesome. That's all for questions. Anything else from you guys? No, I'm happy with all that. I'll leave those questions uh, to be answered by the experts. I've got no idea who's playing and not doing the why round. Yeah, I reckon we'll touch off there then. Thanks so much for coming on, Ox. It was an um, absolute pleasure getting to talk to you. and um, Hopefully everyone who listened got something out of it. Um, and, yeah, it was it was great getting to like meet you and yeah, chat to you. So yeah, appreciate it heaps and thanks for coming on the show. No, anytime guys. I loved it. Um, yeah, big nerd into it too. So I'm yeah, right amongst it. So anytime, you know, there's not many blokes out there. I'm sure that it just slide into random DMs, but I thought, hey, you know what, why not? Let's just keep the ball rolling. Cause yeah, we're all common ground here and it's good fun. So it keeps me uh, up and about and, you know, I get annoyed on a Thursday now and there's no more Thursday games. So more for you the better, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Bye, yeah.